listening to the Food Talk Show. Hi there, my name is Sue Nelson and for the next half an hour or so we're going to be talking all things food and drink as usual. I'm joined by my fellow presenter, Holly Shackleton, editor of Speciality Food Magazine. Hi. 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 Sorry, I'm very keen. I haven't I been here being... for a few weeks. So. No, and you you were sort of bouncing into the studio all excited. You can't wait to get cracking. That's so true. Excellent. Bounded. Now, um, Ollie is on one of his hippie jaunts mm, with the children yeah. off somewhere. I can't remember where. Um, so we've got a guest presenter for the next few weeks. Kermit Gandhi, you've been on the show before, haven't you? I have as a guest. Yes. I know. Are you excited <laughs> as well? I'm excited as well. I know, right? I know. Um, now, you are, you sort of run the Cooking Academy, which mm-hmm. we talked about when you were last on the show, um, and you do all sorts of other things. I do. Uh, so I wrote a couple of spices. I'm um, a speaker about nutritional eating. Um, I um, go into schools and talk about food and how you can study food and look at food from a different perspective than necessarily just taste and flavour. And, um, and yeah, I kind of bang on that. Your whole life drum. is surrounded by food, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, now, uh, I know uh, um, that you've got all this background as a sort of keynote speaker and whatever, but you are a published author, which is very lucky because today we're going to be talking about cookbooks. Books, and, yes. and uh, so, so just tell us a little bit about your book that you've written, because it is award-winning, I believe. <laughs> um, so Cupboard Full of Spices comes from, um, I think, a childhood journey of uh, growing up in a family where uh, surrounded by food, surrounded by talking about food, cooking food, buying ingredients, and also my Mum's side of the family are chemists, industrial chemists, uh, and my dad's family are um, spice merchants. So we've always had a a really kind of um, medicinal um, approach to food. And uh, when I grew up, although I kind of slightly took that for granted, I think, um, it was only later on when I was, um, I took a sabbatical uh, to, uh, uh, when I had my children, that I um, decided that I wanted to, Um, cook more and uh, look into that side of food I was making my own baby food um, and so I I came up against some kind of um, um, food safety issues and and that's when I looked into food science and then retrained Uh, so I gave up my career in banking and then uh, retrained in food science. Thank goodness you did that. I, know. I, I mean, know. I think I, I think for me, um, I really, really started thinking about food uh, when I had children. It, yeah. it, it just suddenly, it, the responsibility of choosing what they eat mm. and, and deciding what they eat Absolutely. as opposed to just, you know, sorting yourself out. And, and it really sort of dawned on me what a huge responsibility that was. Um, and also how that would shape, you know, their their sort of views of food mm. and what they're eating as, as you know as they grew up. Was that, was that sort of catalyst for you? It, it absolutely was because yeah. I was looking at um, uh, then moving on to um, feeding and uh, uh, moving on to baby foods, and I took one look at the back at. Uh, the, the, the jar and thought wow oh my goodness I cook for myself um, and then yeah. sort yeah. of recalled food family history and thought well actually my mum didn't buy you know jars of food so then I um, 
And at the NCT, they were all talking about, oh, this jar is good and this jar is good. And um, and I thought, actually, I'd... Is any just... jar good? I That's what you're <laughs> exactly, saying, aren't you? Exactly. Is any jar good? Um, so it was that shock that I kind of thought, actually, I just want to make my own food and mm. then started to look into how I could do that safely. Um, so, um, and then when I was talking to my fellow mums and friends and so on, they were uh, quite interested in what I was doing. Um, and so that just kind of expanded from there, from nowhere, really. Um, and then I, having been a kind of career person, um, I was beginning to get itchy feet as the children were growing up and I was really I interested. To do something I with my to life. Do something, yeah. And not just be a mum. <laughs> and, and it kind of just took over. Uh, it really did take yeah. over. And, uh, and, and, um, and I'm really thankful because I, the, the, the bank, I was on a sabbatical. They gave me the opportunity to come back. And I said, actually, I'd prefer to just close the door and concentrate on this career, this job, uh, which um, I soon realised was very important. Um, very important to you in terms of, of, especially with your background with your parents, you know, yeah. and the spice trade. Yes. You know, yeah. maybe for, possibly, I'm putting words in your mouth, um, <laughs> coming home a bit, really, sometimes. I think it did. And I yeah. think you kind of grow up, you go to university, you start a career and you become so engrossed in that and entrenched in that. And uh, and I, it gave me an opportunity to step away and, as you say, actually go back home and um, think about the things that are actually more important. important yeah. And when I was working, I, cooking was the only way I could relax. Even the j- train journey home, uh, you were still thinking about work, actually. But when I stepped into the kitchen, it was a different place. I completely well, stepped out. Now you see, world. Holly thinks about food all the time. All the time. Like, all the, like every minute of the day, yeah. I would say, don't you? And it's my job too as well. <laughs> yes. So 24 hours a day. It's <laughs> yeah. great. Well, we're joined uh, by a lovely guest called Felicity Cloak, who is, um, well, very tied up with the Guild of Food Writers, which we will talk about later. And you're a very well-known food writer. If you say so. Yes, you are. <laughs> um, so, so I'm going to ask you first, Holly, how did you get into food then? What, what, was, there a, was there a catalyst or was it just because you thought about food every day of your life, you thought, about go into this? Or So I actually, I went into publishing before I kind of landed in food, but I'd always loved food. Um, I was in working for a craft magazine. <laughs> I was. Um, and then opportunity came up on speciality food and it was just a, a just real thought, natural fit. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, just very, very happy. Mm. I had to talk about food all day. And Felicity, you, you specialise in writing about food, all, all, all sorts of, um, you know, aspects of it. And is it something that you went straight into as well? Or did you sort of, did it, did you have a calling? Did it actually get you in the end? <laughs> well, I think the calling was that I have always been greedy. My entire life I've been greedy, which is, I think, the primary qualification that you need for working in food. Um, and I've always loved writing as well. And so the two sort of fitted together. It took me a while to work out that's what I wanted to do. And I had um, a couple of um, other, t- uh, not failed careers, but careers I decided weren't for me. And then I landed um, landed on my feet and I have no intention of changing again. I love it. Mm. I, I love being involved in food. And, and we, we do have, I mean, <clears throat> Holly and me, we, we'd have the great privilege really of, mm. of having incredible guests who are doing amazing things with food and yeah. so passionate about well, it. Well exactly I and I think mo- you know the vast majority of people in the food industry do it because they love food mm-hmm. um, and lots of them have come from other careers and mm. just have, have like you say they've kind of come home to food something that they've always loved they make a, a life of it. Mm. 
No, when, I, when I was 18, I didn't really think... Um, the only kind of food career that um, was obvious was going into uh, being a chef. And um, that wasn't, uh, you know, that wasn't quite where I saw myself. Only because... So you couldn't visualise yourself no, doing No, that's that. right. Um, so it, today, I think there's so many different types of careers that you can go into into food. And, and I encourage people to do that because it's not just all about going into restaurant, chefing. That's not the only route. Um, so I do talk about food science. I think we're all proving that here, all four yes. of us, because we're not chefs, none of us. <laughs> but we're actually involved in the uh, in the sector. Now, now the other thing that I, I love, I love books. I just, you know, I, I don't have CDs anymore. I don't have DVDs. No, I do everything online. I'm fine with that. I really struggle to not have a book mm. to hold. Mm. Um, I don't feel feel the same. But food books in particular, I have a massive passion for. Um, and I've started getting a little bit involved with the Guild of, of Food Writers. And uh, you are too, aren't you, Felicity? Can yeah. you just tell us a little bit about it and what, what it's trying to do? Because it's so the great. Guild of, yeah, the Guild of Food Writers has been, it was established in 1984 as a professional organisation for people that wrote about food in lots of different capacities. So it's not just, you know, your big names, your, you know, your who Ferling Whitting stores and et cetera, although, that, you know, we do have a lot of celebrity members. Um, but it's also the people that, for example, um, write the recipe columns in, you know, magazines. It's the people that maybe write the recipes on the back of um, packets. It's the people that, you know, do the um, the leaflets that you pick up in the supermarket. There's so many different parts of food writing. Um, and increasingly, it's people that not only write books, but maybe write blogs or, In-house you know, magazines, all example, sorts of yeah. stuff. It's a much wider um, membership than you might imagine. Um, and it's just exists to promote good food writing. So we sometimes do sort of campaigning work um, and also to help members in a sort of professional capacity. So, for example, you know, we recently had a workshop on um, how to get published because I know that lots of people who cook are very passionate about sort of spreading um, spreading the word about their food and sharing their knowledge. Or a and, fam- family recipe that yeah, everybody loves and, that they want to share. Exactly. and Or maybe a memoir or something like that. And it's just, you know, that kind of professional development work that we're trying to get a little bit more into. Oh, well, you could go on that. <laughs> I really, really want to, actually, because at the moment... I was being sarcastic. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, you write all day. You're a professional. No, I do, I do write all day. But... Um, I love. I do really want to join the guild. Um, I do think I'd, we're always looking for more members? I'd really enjoy it, and actually, the idea of I don't think I'd be able to fill a memoir. <laughs> I have no <laughs> idea what I'd say. Yeah, too young. That's why. 30, Thirty-one. Give it. Yeah, thirty-two. Loads of time. <laughs> but um, family recipes and stuff. I'd love to to mm. do something with that, um, kind of alongside the magazine. You so. lose yourself in a in a cookbook, but in a cookbook that's also about someone's journey. It's, yeah. it's, you can start to thumb through it and uh, you're sharing somebody else's journey and it's just exciting. Mm, yeah. I agree. So Felicity, um, how do you become a member? You can't just walk off the street and be a member. You have to you have certain can't. qualifications. No, I mean, not. would we let Holly in? I think... I, I mean, bear I in mind you've actually let me in. So, so <laughs> I, I mean, I speak. don't want to speak out of turn, but I can confidently say that I don't think you'd have a problem with the application process. But all you really need um, is to be a published author. So, you know, to have written about food and been published, um, which I think that you probably fulfil every single issue of your magazine. <laughs> um, and as I said, it's a really diverse group of people and, you know, founding members 
members. We had Jane Grigson. Um, we had um, Mary Berry was a very early member, still a member. Prue Leith, uh, Claudia Roden recently got a Lifetime Achievement Award. See, it's yeah, just amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. You need to be in there, don't you? I do. Yeah, it's yeah. good. And they have well, great parties as well. I mean, do. that's the swing, swing thing for me, yeah. Now, the Food Talk Show actually sponsored um, one of the awards uh, because every year you hold these amazing awards, don't you? For, glittering, for, for I think, is the adjective I'd use. It's very glittering a great and glamorous. event as well. And most, I have to say, most award things I find pretty boring. Uh, but this was great. It was just so, I don't know, it's just so sociable and everybody joining, everybody chatting... Mm. Um, and of course, Amado Jaffrey this year got the Lifetime Achievement Award. Uh, yeah, sorry, Claudia Redden got it a few years yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah no, so Matt, but Amado got it this year. She uh, did, yeah. yes. And um, I sat next to her. So I couldn't, I was oh. like awestruck. That's I'm, one of my first ever books. That. She's brilliant. I interviewed her a few years ago. She's lady. wonderful. Yeah, absolutely wonderful. So that was well deserved. In her mid 80s now and still doing some incredible work. Isn't she's she? just. Uh, a legend. I think I wasn't the only person that said afterwards that when she um, she came up and gave her speech and, you know, when she was presented with the award and the two committee members sort of spoke about their experiences, you know, cooking her food and how she opened their eyes to the possibilities, I, I was almost crying at the mm. side of the stage. I just found it so emotional. And she was certainly the first book that we had in our household, yeah. um, you know, of Indian food. And to be honest, the first probably non-Delia book we yes. had in our house yeah. so yeah, absolutely yeah I mean she really is a, a towering figure yeah, she, she was fantastic um, and then we've got all these wonderful categories uh, uh, of different types of, of, of books and you, you can imagine with with um, such illustrious sort of members at the Guild of Food Writing the, the, the standard of the stuff that's submitted is phenomenal isn't it I wouldn't like to be a judge would you no it's I mean it's quite staggering the amount that's submitted and then I've been a judge in past years and it is, it's really a lot of work to take on because, for example, in the cookbook category, you might have, I don't know, probably 100 books to look through. I mean, the cookbook category is divided, you know, first book and sort of international cookery, etc. But still, there's a lot and it's very hard. There's not a lot of uh, chaff there. It's mostly wheat. Absolutely. But it's a very pleasurable experience, I have to say. So the General Cookbook Award this year was awarded to Rowley Lee mm-hmm. for A Long and Messy Business. Now, I have that book uh, in front of us here. It's a, it's a pretty heavy old Yes, it's a tome, book. I would say. Yeah. And um, it has the most stunning photography I've seen for a long time. And, and there are there are some great cookbooks and mm. great photography. The, the pictures in it are just fantastic. It's very clever photography, I think. It's mm. sort of, it's straddling that between food photography and art, which is a nice, mm. a nice line to yeah. straddle, mm. I think. Um, mm. And I know that Rowley... Um, and the photographer are two, you know, great artistic talents. Um, I think they together. fell out a lot all the <laughs> way through I was, it. I was about to approach that more delicately. Um, <laughs> I mean, well, yes. when he stood up and accepted the prize, he did actually say all we did was argue yes. the whole time. Yes, but I think he said yeah, the photographer end, was so saw, fussy. <laughs> he saw the uh, the fruits of photographer's labours. But I mean, Rowley is such a fantastic writer, a great chef. Um, and I think it's really well deserved. This is a lovely book. It's a very witty 
but mm. as well. Yeah. So so when you look at it and he talks about some of the ingredients he uses and some of the mistakes he makes as well, actually, um, it just feel it's just full of personality. Mm. I'd say it's got real personality. Mm. And I think that he's in one of a long line of um, sort of food writers. So like you know Simon Hopkins and even Jane Grigson that wears their knowledge very lightly, but you get a sense that they really know what they're talking about. You know, the man is, uh, has been chefing in London for longer than I've been alive. And you can feel that, but he never, he's never condescending. He's very, he's sort of very warm and um, approachable. And it's just classic food. It really is. It's mouthwatering. It is. And it's sort of broken up um, um, by the seasons, by the months of the year, which I, which I love because you know mm. that, that the things are in season and he's um, specifically picked them for, for various mm. things. And as I say, the, the, it just would make the most lovely present for somebody. Mm, um, it's definitely um, a, a very much a gift book as well, because as you say, it's very large and it's very beautiful. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I wanted to say it's a, it's a coffee table book because it's not it because you want to take it into the kitchen as well, but you also might have it by your bed. It's just one of it's, those it's lovely, it's lovely, yeah, multi-talented. So uh, um, we would highly recommend that one of the winners of of the Guild Food Writers Awards. Um, another one that I particularly was fond of is the Black Sea, which won the Food Book Award. And I think it won the Food Book Award because it's not just about recipes, is it, Felicity? No, it's more. It's got recipes in it. But it's more about the author's journey around the Black Sea. So Caroline Eden, who's a travel journalist um, and has sort of written extensively, um, especially about this region of the world. So her previous book was, um, I think, about the Caucasus, if I remember rightly. Um, And this one is just travelling around the Black Sea. You know, it's got anecdotes of the people she meets. She gets very sort of involved with you know, local life. She doesn't, you know, take planes everywhere. It's all sort of buses and drivers who, you know, chat to people by the side of the road and market store owners. And it's got some lovely recipes in there. But, you know, it's I sort of feel like the recipes are the gilding of the lily because it's such a wonderful armchair journey to sit down and read. It's just so thrilling. And for me as well, I was sort of embarrassed when I got this book. I didn't really know what the black... I couldn't point to the Black Sea on a map and there's no chance of that and actually it's the most fascinating uh, the way it borders so many mm. you know, it goes around so many countries mm. and I got a real sense of geography and place mm. and what a fascinating you know sort of it's a sea and it touches all these amazing mm. countries very and, much a crossroads I would say both geographically yeah. and culinarily um, and I think that she's sort of tapped into something that's about to become very um, we're about to hear a lot more about this region. I know Nigel Slater last year did a little, I uh, think, three-part TV programme about three countries around the Black Sea. Um, and as this book has come out, and it's just a lot of interest, as Olia Hercules also writing about mm. the same sort of region. And it's not one that we've ever really heard that much about in this country, I don't think, certainly in food terms. And it's just, you know, it's that lovely intersection between, you know, Middle Eastern food and lots of grilled meats mm. and, um, you know, the food of the Caucasus and sort of flatbreads. And then we get the more Balkan sort of meze tradition and the salads. And uh, it's really mouthwatering mm. stuff. And for those of you who are rubbish at geography, just like me, um, sort of on the Black Sea, we've got Odessa, you know, in the north and all, all that sort of area. And then, of course, you've got Istanbul, mm. um, you know, uh, to the south of the Black Sea. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember once going to Istanbul for work. can't remember why. Um, don't know what I was doing, really. Um, <laughs> just three or four days. And, and, and this was, I don't know, 20-odd years ago. I was fascinated by the place. It's, mm. it's insane. It's noisy and it's... 
you know, the, the the sort of geographical crossroads of so many things going on. The Makes bridges. London look like a village, I would say. I Stambul. could not believe yeah. the food. I just thought the food, particularly the fish, was stunning. Mm. And I'd always thought of Turkish food as just, I don't know, being kebabs or something. And that, that was really eye-opening for me. Mm. And also, certainly these days, perhaps sadly because of political events, there are lots of different communities, you know, springing up. When I went there maybe three or four years ago, we did a, a food tour and they took us to this area where lots of Syrians, uh, Syrian refugees had settled and we ate some Syrian food. And it was all just fascinating and things that I wouldn't have seen had I just gone to, you know, the yeah, the absolutely. area around the Blue Mosque. Mm. So, yeah, it's a really fascinating place. Holly, somewhere you're familiar with that sort of area? Not at all, I have to say. It's you can't somewhere... sort of suddenly pluck out of your head ingredients or, or, or dishes that, that immediately spring to mind. And I think the, the book is so lovely. It is, it's a sort of travelogue in a way. Um, mm. as, you know, it's, it's great food writing. And then it's sort of peppered with the, the, the odd sort of recipes in there. I think um, wonderful for autumn as well, because I mm. can imagine curling up with this book in an armchair with a you know a cup of mint tea if I'm going to be true to the true to the book or a cup of PG make, tips if it's yeah. more realistically and just yeah just read my way through it and, and travel be inspired like that. to make one of those incredible stews that are in there yeah, yeah really cold sort of sticky horrible, honey dark cakes evening I mean, yes yeah, yeah, really all good. of that yeah before we go on to the next um, I'm, I'm a bit hungry. Uh, before we go into the next book I want to talk about um, you've bought something you've been very kind and bought something for us I did you I, do know you're sitting next to the, the, the person who heads up the cooking academy so it's you know, know. no pressure I'd, I'd say that they are warm from the oven um, and so they're probably they're madeleines um, that's actually a recipe from my new book which is French so far less exotic Look than at the she's Black Sea she's good at marketing she's <laughs> actually threw that in there tell Just us what your book's called in there. my book is called One More Croissant for the Road and it's a there sort of it's a culinary odyssey around France on two wheels so sort of like the Tour de France but with less pain and more pastries <laughs> and so one of the places I went on my little voyage was um, Commercy which is the home of the Madeleine oh, and good. I They're went good. to um, two Madeleine producers um, and sort of mined them for information and um, yeah these are the fruits As I said that in general I think the secret to a really great Madeleine oh. is to um let the mixture chill before you bake it and then you get a lovely what they call a boss that sort of hump on the top mm. um unfortunately i made a very last minute decision to make you these madeleines and so you will note that there's no boss um please don't judge me on this in the recipe <laughs> in the book you will get perfect boss every time but hopefully they still taste good mm. wow what do you think of a buttery and crumbly mm. and gorgeous. there's a tiny bit of butter in there just a smidgen mm. <laughs> they are i think they are my favorite cake Really, but we were saying before the show that yeah. having them really fresh like this mm. and still warm and light and airy, it's just yeah. the best thing in the world. Mm. Once you've had um, fresh homemade ones, mm. it's very difficult to, um, you know, have shop bought ones. Oh, it's just you're just, I'm really sorry. I'm going to have another one. <laughs> no, that's that's just the talk between I yourselves. Mm. They are incredible. Mm. Mm. So before Amazing. We- Speaking with my mouthful. Before we um, before we go on to your your sort of writing, whatever, let's just talk about one final book um, from the awards. Now, this book was shortlisted, which is which is an amazing achievement mm. in itself. Um, but it didn't win the final award. Um, and I think this was the specialist category. Yeah. Um, so there was a great book that won uh, one of the awards called Goat. Do you remember that? Yeah. That was an incredible yes. book. Yeah. Again, slightly insane. Yes. I mean, I'm I've have uh, drunk the goat Kool-Aid and cooked several goat recipes from that book and I am in I mean the recipes are great and goat is such a fabulous meat Mm. Um, you know and actually surprisingly easy to get hold of certainly 
in London, but I think you can buy it online. But also you could use mutton, you could use hoggett. It's just, you know, really interesting recipes. It is. But the book I really liked was Ethiopia. Mm. And now I've actually bought this for Ollie. Ah. Because you know what Ollie's like? He's always trying something different or whatever. Mm. So I've, actually, I've, I've read it, obviously, because, you know, <laughs> flip through it. Um, but I, I specifically bought this because Ollie would really like it. Mm. And the reason for that is it's got all sorts of stuff in there I have never, ever heard of. Mm. Um, and it's a bit of a revelation. So, yeah, I, I felt looking at it like... It, it's generally with cookbooks, I look at the recipes and I've got some sort of idea of, you know, the anchoring principles behind them. I have never cooked any Ethiopian no. food in my life. I don't know what, you know, their classic bases are for stews, you know, like we might have onions, carrot and celery. Got no idea whether they use those things, mm. whether they use a lot of garlic. I've eaten Ethiopian food and it's been delicious. But how you set about making it, how you stock an Ethiopian pantry until I opened this book was, you know, a mystery to me. And just like not necessarily using salt and pepper like we would, mm. all sorts of other other things. Mm, using coffee yeah. as a seasoning and things like that. Mm. Just I don't know, it, it, I love a book that pitches you straight into another world, and this yep. one really does. And it's by, I won't be able to pronounce it, obviously, uh, Johannes Gebreyesus, I think it is. Sorry. Gebreyesus, I think, yes. Sorry, Johannes, I've spelled that wrong. Uh, said that wrong. Um, it's it's just fabulous. And if you're quite um, an adventurous person in the, in the kitchen... Or even if you just want to know much more about this amazing country, I'd hugely recommend it. Mm, and I think, I think that it's not... Um, you have to be sort of adventurous in, in your palate in the sense that mm. you probably won't be familiar with lots of the recipes. But actually, most of them aren't particularly complex. So, you know, once you've read through them, I don't think they're not daunting to take on. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. So, so you know that they're not complicated to put together. It's like, yeah, but I need to find that ingredient <laughs> to make yes, sure I've got that taste. So, yeah. I think you're going to have to be a little bit adventurous in terms of of, of sourcing stuff. Mm. Um, but, but, but actually, yeah, really easy. I think a lot of the recipes to, mm. to put together, which and, I, which I would imagine makes them incredibly tasty. Yes, I mean, I imagine you could get a lot of the spices certainly online, mm. um, and depending on where you live, I know that there's. Um, several places near me um, that sell the injera bread in little sort of flannel light rolls. And I mm. love that sort of spongy, sour mm. bread, like a sort of sour flat crumpet. Oh, it's delicious mm. with a curry or something. So, Kamud, you, as a sort of spice expert, you really need to get this book because I think it'll open your eyes so. to a slightly mm. different type of spices. It talks about chilies and things like that and, and some of the, the you know stuff that they use instead of chilies, for example. Um, um, fascinating. I was fascinated as you were thumbing through it that um, you would expect Ethiopian food to be very different from a, a very different palate to our own um, and very different palate to French cuisine, Greek cuisine. But actually just thumbing through even some of the photography actually the food doesn't look too dissimilar mm. or different. So it's actually just the way in which they're using spices to mm. bring and bringing in a different range of spices and using them in a different way. Um, so um, I think it's going to definitely be... Um, uh, on that bookshelf and thumb mm. through mm. and, and give some inspiration. A, I can feel an article coming on there, oh, Holly, yeah. don't you, about mm. Ethiopian food? Yeah. Mm. I've, um, I've just landed on the smoked milk or water page, mm. which you could do so much with, yeah. but you just wouldn't think to smoke mm. milk. I mean, you can mm. get smoked water. I think um, Helen Mon mm. do smoked water, but... It's incredible. Yeah, it's great. So, highly recommend that. We're going to put um, we're going to put all these on the website and, and links to them, so you can you can see them, and of course to the um, uh, Guild of Food Writers. Um, aside from the sort of what one might describe as a 
you know, cookbook or recipe book. There are also great writers like B. Wilson, for example, or Grace Dent, who write about all sorts of other things and open our eyes about food. And that's still an important role as well, isn't it? Definitely. I mean, what I personally like about food is that it covers almost every aspect of life you can think of. So, example, you mentioned um, B. Wilson, who writes a lot. You know, she's done historical books about food. She's done sort of nutritional books about food. She looked into food science, all sorts. Um, and then you have Grace Dent that writes sort of very witty, razor-sharp restaurant reviews. And, you know, we also have you know, people that write, you know, for very specialist sort of fishing publications and things. It's just the whole range. And that's what I love about it as a resource. Anyone that does write about food and is considering joining, that's the thing I find the most useful that you can ask. I was making a wedding cake recently for a friend. I thought, I've got no idea how to scale up. You know, she said, I want this sticky ginger cake and sort of sent me a web address. I thought, but I want it for 190 people. I was like, well, how do I start scaling up? And I thought, People in the Guild will know, certainly, even if Mary Berry doesn't get back to me, someone will. And <laughs> lo and behold, I had about 75 helpful responses. Wow. You know, I'm sure one of them probably have offered to make it for me if I'd asked. Yeah. So, yeah. A fantastic community. And um, in, in, in respect of B. Wilson, don't get her on to bacon. She can talk for hours about bacon, can't she? <laughs> yes. And what I liked about B, she, I think she won this, uh, this year for a very specific piece of work she did on whether bacon is killing us. And, you know, it's a very, it's a lovely clickbaity headline clickbait-y headline that isn't it you know is your bacon sandwich killing you but in fact you know she really looked into it and concluded that yes there's no there's no argument that you know cured and smoked meats are not great for us but then interestingly she said that most of the people that she talked to on the subjects that you know the scientists the you know the medical experts that said yes they're not great for us when she asked them whether they still ate bacon if they were meat eaters they (laughs) almost to a man or woman (laughs) said yes you know in moderation which was very heartening one of the great joys of life for me Mm. Um, and then uh, the award that was sponsored by this very show was for the best food blog Um, Mm. and again this is a great way of somebody who loves food who maybe you know isn't quite into the much more formal um, uh, sort of publishing uh, that that lots of us are um, can actually get their, their their own views out they can do their own photography they can do all sorts of stuff and this year um zaren wilson won the best food blog and if you haven't uh, checked that out you really do need he's a guest on the show in a few weeks um but there was some good there has been some pretty awful food blogs i think in the past but i'd for me, in the last couple of years, it's suddenly got a bit uh, much better, I would say. Yeah, I think when um, blogging first became accessible um, to us all, you know, lots of people sort of enthusiastically started blogs and then realised, actually, it's quite a lot of work. And mm. unlike, you know, you, Holly, going into work every day and hopefully getting paid for it, if you're doing it just in your spare time, it's very mm. easy for mm. normal life to sort of take over and just go, oh, God, do I have to blog today? And, you know, just putting, you know, something that you've cooked that's not particularly interesting, not putting a lot of love no. into it. Mm. Um, and I think a lot of those have fallen by the wayside. Mm. And we're just left with the really good people yeah. like Zaren, who writes just fabulous restaurant reviews. Um, you know, in fact, when I was uh, briefly the Guardian's restaurant critic, standing in for Grace when she was, before she started, I found Zaren's blog very useful in terms yeah. of checking details and, you know, getting recommendations for where to go and things like that. 
And that's a way that actually you can see that blogs are working with traditional media and they're no longer the sort of poor relation of the amateur because it's very high quality. Yeah. So it's called um, Bitten and Written and it's by Zaren Wilson. And again, we'll give a link to that. He's going to be on the show very soon. Um, It's still about content though, Holly, isn't it? And, Mm. And it doesn't matter what medium you're in. Um, if you can't make stuff interesting all the time, you know, it's not going to work. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, it is difficult. You've, you've got a, a magazine to get out every month and um, you, you've got to fill it. And the, but the content's got to be good every time without yeah, fail. it has to be. And I think with food, people have, people love food and they're very passionate about it. And I think because there are so many amazing food writers around at the moment, they expect to be able to connect with what you're saying and they expect to learn something and... I don't know, for it to be a really enjoyable read. Mm. Um, so just mediocre doesn't really cut it anymore. No, and it's it's all about stories and content. Um, so Felicity, you, you, moving on from the, um, the Guild of Food Writers, so you're a, a writer specialising in food and drink. You're the author of six cookbooks yourself. And yeah, well, strictly speaking, five cookbooks and then the latest one the is latest more of a travelogue. One. It does have recipes, ah, okay. but yeah. Now, anybody that thinks, oh, I'd love to write a cookbook, they have no clue, have they, about how much work and how difficult it is. And uh, just tear your hair out, really. I, yeah, I would say <laughs> that labour of love has never been truer than writing a cookbook. You know, maybe raising a child, but apart from that, a cookbook feels sometimes a little bit like a child. Um, it's just, it's a wonderful thing to do and I'm not going to claim it's the hardest job on earth, but you know, when you're it eating the same... It is hard to put it together, make it hold Yeah, together, but also the sort of little practical things like making your family eat the same recipe for five days until you get it right. <laughs> you know, it's all great, amazing. I'd love to come and test recipes at your house. And then when you say, well, this is the fourth iteration of whatever it is, people start to look a bit more glum and say, can't mm. we have a salad? No, you can't have a salad because unfortunately we're doing cheese recipes this week. <laughs> So, you know, yeah. it is it is hard work and you want you really need to make sure your yeah. recipes work and so you need to test them at least twice. Um and it's Absolutely. just that stress of when you get it in your hand, it's all printed and shiny and then you open it and you realise that somehow the carrots and the carrot cake have been missed out in some sort of digital malfunction and you just think, <laughs> Oh, how has this happened? So um, yes. Yeah. It has its traumas as well as it has its, its traumas. Um, but I think the th- where I first uh, sort of get, got to know your writing was uh, through how to make the perfect. Mm. Yeah, I used yes. to cut yeah. those out <laughs> and cake them because I just thought they were. I just thought that they were just you know genius, really. I, I can't take credit so for the genius. The genius of the idea. So actually, it started like all the best things. It was an accident. And this is in the Guardian. In the Guardian. Yeah. So yeah, it started in. 20, uh, 2009 actually so it celebrated its decade this year I haven't done oh, yeah. anything but I must um, and it started off as a column about food myths so as you know whether you should wash mushrooms whether it was possible to seal meat in a hot pan all of that and then we did one about um, sausages because I wanted to you know, make a joke about Ainsley Harriet, prick with fork, you know, that old thing. <laughs> and um, so it's the best way to cook sausages. And the comments underneath, it was just online at this point, but I realised that British people love to talk about sausages. They, I mean, not even in an innuendo type way, they really feel strongly about sausages. Um, and so the next week we thought, well, let's do mash and test some different mash recipes. And from there, it, you know, it became the column that, that you see today, looking at all sorts of different dishes. But the mash recipes, I think I was on holiday and I got a text message from my editor saying, we've got 390 comments on mashed potato. And then it it's called the... It's important, it's so 
<laughs> mashed potatoes is well, very, is very important. Mashed potatoes is life and the best sort of potato, and I'm putting it on air. Um, and and so, don't yeah. tell me you can't make it without butter, because I'm not having it. Oh, no, you no. You can't I'm put olive sorry. oil in. No, put no, olive no, oil no. In. I know. For a crushed potato, olive oil is acceptable for, yeah. for a mashed well, potato. I got reprimanded by my children for making mashed potato without butter. I should think so too. Yeah. What were you thinking? I was trying to be healthy. I was trying to What were you thinking? I know. You're bringing them up well. You have that satisfaction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry, do carry on. Yeah, so um, then it caught the eye of the editor, you know, the big editor, Alan Rusbridger at the time, because it was getting so many hits online. And he said, let's put this in the paper. And this was, I've been a Guardian reader, you know, since I was a teenager, um, rather pretentious teenager. And um, so the thrill of seeing my name in print in The Guardian and seeing not only my name in print, but they had the picture I'd taken of my perfect scones was on The Guardian masthead, you know, there you go. just above that iconic. Oh, I feel almost teary thinking about it now. And now I'm slightly more blasé about it, I have to say. But, you know, it's still a joy every week, even though I think, oh, people say, aren't you bored of doing it, testing all of those recipes? You know, I take a scone and I look at five different ways to make it and I test it and I, you know, take the best bits of everyone's recipes, steal it and put it together into a perfect recipe. And then people sort of fight in the comments section mm. about whether I've got it wrong. Um, but I still find it endlessly fascinating because you can take a dish like, say, laksa I did recently, which, you know, is a dish that's known throughout, you know, Malaysia, Indonesia, um, even parts of Thailand, you'll find it. And it's so many different versions of it. But that was a cuisine that I didn't really know. And so it was, you know, going in from, you know, like a child learning to cook an egg or something. It was a complete place of complete ignorance. And then, you know, learning what makes up a laxa, what the building blocks are, what are important, you know, the different techniques. Just fascinating. Yes, what a great job. It's my dream. Is it? <laughs> yeah, and it's one day. You need to do that. It's your column. Perhaps I should do that for my column on your magazine. No, That's a no. great idea. Oh, no, you're going to Thanks, you don't. That's fine. Okay, so we're just sort of bringing the programme to an end in a minute. But uh, before we do that, you've been a judge on the Great British Menu, haven't you? I have been. Yeah, that was very good fun. I really enjoyed that. I thought that... Um, I don't know, I was a little bit nervous about going on TV because it's very different when you sit... I mean, I'm freelance, so basically I sit in my flat all day with the dog... I don't really talk to anyone. And so I was going on TV. I thought, oh, you know, I have to look cheerful. I have to be <laughs> articulate. Um, you know, I can't listen to Radio 4. And actually, I loved it. It was so interesting to see the different, you know, the up-and-coming chefs, mm. you know, especially for people out of London that I don't get the chance so much to to see what's happening. But also, I love that. I mean, I'm sure we're all nitpickers here, aren't we? We love to sort of pull apart dishes and think about them. There is no pleasure like looking at a dish and just deconstructing it in your mind and thinking, do I love this? What could they have done better? Why does this work so well? Um, and then discussing it with people that are as passionate as you. And at the time, it was Matthew Fort, um, Ollie Payton and Prue Leith. Um, and it was just, it was a very long day. The best day. three, really. Joy. You and got the best three. I got, you? I, I, you did. I, well, <laughs> and then I got to, um, in the final, I got to... Um, help a chef butcher a goat um you know the goat was already dead when it arrived i'd like to say butcher it's <laughs> not a euphemism in this in this yeah. sense but um the poor man had to trust me for the purposes of tv to butcher one of the two goats that he'd ordered in and he was sweating i have I to say was. he was anxious <laughs> as well he might have been yeah absolutely so um well thank you very much for uh, joining us felicity um and don't forget gilda food writers if you are a published food writer and you're a good one 
you should really, you Please, should really all the be details a are on our website, yep. gfw.co.uk. Absolutely. Um, so Holly Shackleton, get on with it. Yes, we'll do. We should do. Promise. Can you imagine how, I mean, being part of those amazing I, members? I genuinely would absolutely love to. Um, and there's some really good events, isn't there, all around the country. It's not London-centric yep. Yep. at all. It's I think all we've got one in Hampshire coming up with looking at a wasabi grower in mm. Hampshire. And then, yeah, we've got a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, so so it's fabulous and stimulating. I find it very stimulating. Um, so please uh, go, I would say we'll do a link from um, from the website. But, but, but please do check it out if you're a published writer. You should be on there as well, actually. Come out here or not, are you? No. no, get on with it. <laughs> yes, you need to do that too. So um, uh, thank you so much to um, my joint presenters uh, today. So that's Holly Shackleton of Speciality Food Magazine. Thank you, Holly. Thank you. Good. And uh, Kamud Gandhi of the Cooking Academy and about 100 other things. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> thank you. Uh, did you enjoy it? I did, indeed. Yes, Good. it was a, a pleasure to talk through I always learn loads. Journey. Yeah, I absolutely. always learn lots, yes. yes. Um, so you've been listening to the Food Talk Show and as you know, we're syndicated to radio stations across the UK and further afield, as well as being available on Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean, iTunes and the podcast app on your phone. If you want to recommend any future guests, someone doing something amazing in the food sector just like Felicity or maybe some good writers actually that we, we don't often have too many writers on here we should shouldn't we yeah. hmm. uh, please do get in touch with us via Twitter on at Food Talk Show and if you want to listen to any of our hundreds of podcasts going back right, four or five years now I think uh, go to foodtalk.co.uk or new via the Speciality Food Magazine website. Indeed. So now it's like right on the front page, isn't it? It is, yeah. If you go on there, if you click on the Speciality Foods, you can um, listen to us the latest edition. Is that right? You sure can, yeah. Oh, good. So that's very good. Um, and uh, yeah, thank you again. And uh, I really do hope you have a good week. Bye. Bye.